Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Richard, this is Mike. How are you? Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. Happy birthday. I didn't forget. You remember. <laughs> you remember. Thank you. Uh, no problem. How's everything going? Everything's going good. How are you? I'm doing great. I can't complain. I'm happy that, you know, Shark Island is around still, putting out music, and, you know, with Bloodline, you did a great job a year ago when it came out, and you decided to re-release the record again. Well, wait, wait, yeah, I did. Um, I was... Just out of the blue, we've kind of been talking about it for, for a while. Um, I was doing some different people during the uh, tour season, and uh, the guys that uh, uh, that were backing me up kind of talked me into let's just do a record. So, um, and I kind of uh, it was kind of fun, and I said, well, why not? Let's just do it. So I put together a record. Are you there? Yeah, I lost you for a second, but yeah. you're back. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, did you, did you get on me with, 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 with cut out or what? No, no, you're okay. It's not a problem. Okay. We can fix uh, that right up. But uh, like I said, it was a great job when this record came out. I mean, even if you go back to, you know, Gathering of the Faithful, which came out, it's hard to believe, like 13, 14 years before this album. Uh, I mean, it feels like there's this new vibe going on with the band right now. Of course, things change from the 80s. Music and sound-wise, everything's different. But it feels like you're kind of free to write what you want to write right now. Like, there's no chains on you like there used to be probably in the 80s because you had 100 people telling you which way to go music-wise. Right, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite, a, a, quite a change right now. Even, even from, a, like, a band standpoint, it's different. I mean, the, the structure of, the ba- of bands are different than they used to be. I remember, uh, you know, years ago, a band was like your buddy, you know, your buddies, you know, they were like, we were like the musketeers and we were close and we spent time together, we were like brothers, right? And that is not the case anymore. Everybody just, everybody's playing several gigs at the same time and and that sort of thing. And then, of course, like we, like you mentioned, the the recording of it, the recording company, you know, the recording. The record companies are, are completely different. Everybody's doing independent things now, and and uh, you just license things for a certain period of time. Uh, like this record, we actually did this record originally just on our own. We had a well, I had a, the help of a of a small um, boutique record company that would that kind of did financed it for us. But as far as distribution goes. We were uh, we did it all ourselves and just did it to our kind of cult fan base that we have, and then we ended up selling out of everything. And then we decided, well, let's let's go with a kind of a more of a traditional record company so that we could, you know, expose ourselves to different territories. So that's what we did. So yeah, I mean, we didn't have any preconceived plans. It just that's just the way it came out. One thing led to another. 
I'm glad I'm glad for that. And you know what you say, like you did it on your own. If you, you know, you go back to the sixties, the seventies, even to the early eighties, every band starting out had to do everything on their own. You know, from the promotion, the advertising, putting up, you know, flies on telephone poles and paying to go into the studio to make demo tapes and put on maybe their own singles or records. It's kinda of gone full circle, but at least back then you had the dream of getting signed to a major label and having them take care of everything. But a lot of bands found out when they got signed to that label, they wish they didn't sometimes. Everything gets polluted over time, and it gets it, it gets exploited to a point of just you know ridiculousness, and then it kind of resets and goes like you said comes comes full circle again. I don't know. I don't know what to expect. The biggest difference with me is that I don't I don't carry much expectation anymore. I mean, when I was young, it was like we were really laser focused to try to do something, and 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 uh, the the years of you know different levels of disappointment. And it takes the wind out of your sails, and you just—I I found it better just not to expect anything, just to kind of do what I do at the time, you know, do your best job you can, and and just walk gingerly forward and have these big letdowns, you know. Yeah. So, you know, all right. Yeah. No, I understand that. But you know, when you think of it, the band started as a shock in the late seventies, early eighties. You guys were creating stuff and doing stuff before really anything was really taking place or happening, especially out in California. I mean, you know, I mean, you guys were way ahead of the curve back then, at least, you know, in what you were doing. It wasn't until like around 85 and you changed your name, I guess, that maybe more came into focus as far as the image of the band and what you wanted to do than the five years before that. But, I mean, did it make it harder when you changed the name of the band because people knew you as one and, and now you were a different name? Even though it was very similar, did that affect the band at all in any way? Was it more of a boost to say, you know, this is us now and here's what we're doing? Yeah, well, we kind of tried. That's why we kind of kept the, the shark thing within the name. But the sharks early on, we're, we were basically a, we were a top 40 band. That was like, you know, it was like late 70s, early 80s. We did we did cover music and we played at clubs you know six six nights a week you know we three shows a night sometimes four shows a night playing all kinds of all kinds of music from led zeppelin to david bowie to you know kiss to casey and the sunshine band we just we did a lot of cover that's how we survived we just played we didn't have day jobs or something and then and then once once the uh, the climate changed in uh, in LA it was kind of after Van Halen kind of moved through they uh, everything started going original and and we were already you know working on a lot of original stuff and and then we decided that the sharks really you know the top 40 band the cover band wasn't enough so we kind of like we, we thought as as it was kind of like an expansion so okay this is this is Sharks doing original music, so Shark Island, and that's how we kind of justified it all. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we've been yeah, in a long time. Yeah, a long yeah. time, Mike. <laughs> You're not kidding. <laughs> but, you know, they were great times in a way. You know, I mean, for, uh, being a kid in the 80s, you know, and going to all these shows and all these clubs, I'm in New York, but... You know, we, we saw the bands come through town when they did, and it was just an amazing time for music in general. I mean, how do you oh, well. as, as But as a band who's actually trying to make something of it, I mean, you could be the club band all your life and have a great time doing it and not have any more expectations, but being the band that wants to get to the next level, go to the arenas, you know, move up in, in the stature and then the business and in the scene, how difficult was it competing with so many other bands that were like, you know, we all know now that, let's face it, it's more luck sometimes than actual talent and ability. You know, who makes it, who doesn't? You scratch your head sometimes. But how difficult was it in the mid-'80s trying to, like, you know, say, you know, we got to make our mark? Well, it was, it was fierce. It, it, it was fierce. And, and just looking at it from, uh, from, uh, from L.A., from an L.A. Um, standpoint, you know, during the time when, you know, when, when we were, you know, really really rocking it up right, in on uh, Sunset Strip. At the time, there was a quoted 10,000 bands in Southern California. 10,000. Wow. That's a lot. Okay, and then, and then if, you know, if every, you know, if, if every band would just say, well, that's 40,000 people, if that's, you know, so it takes 40 and 50,000 individuals and, and 10,000 bands trying to vie for very few positions. You know, and when you have that kind of uh, despair, 
could play at in LA, there was probably, you know, six, six clubs in, uh, in the kind of LA Hollywood area that you could, that were of any size. And then you had 10,000 bands wanting to get those, get those positions. That's how that whole, um, pay to play phenomenon came. You know, there was, there was really no incentive for a, for a club owner, for instance, to take a risk on a band that wasn't going to pack the house. You know, I mean, from a from a, uh, a club standpoint, you know, they want the, the club packed every night. So you need to have it packed. So what do you do? You, um, in order for the band to play, you they would have to prepay um, tickets to pack the house. So you would have to be play. You'd have to bands would have to, you know, buy thousands of dollars worth of tickets and then sell them individually or give them out to their friends and, you know, or whatever. You know, if they had rich parents, it didn't really matter to, to recoup. But fortunately, we were drawing enough that we never had to do that because we were, we were packing the house every, every weekend for, for two years on the Sunset Strip. We just, we, just because we were so prolific and we were playing so much and we had this, we had a, a great um, crowd of people that, that just followed us around and it was just um, but it was difficult it was difficult it, it was uh, it was cutthroat it was it was a lot of stress and a lot of work I mean it was, it's a lot of work to play six nights a week people don't think about that no one does that anymore no Hell, now you can't even play one night a week you can't do anything now but I mean there was a time when your clothes and your hair and your skin smelled perpetually of, of tobacco just from being in a club and, and sweating and just, you know, you just, <laughs> just throwing clothes away and just, you just keep going. That's all you did. I mean, it's hard to imagine now. It's hard to imagine that kind of life now, but that's, that's what it was like. It was a lot of hard work. Yeah, people don't see that. They just see the movie Rockstar where everybody's at a bus party and having a good time, <laughs> have all the girls around them. But they don't see all the hard work that goes into making making that happen. No, and, and, no they don't. Yeah, and like it's not you that said, glamorous. it's not that glamorous as it looks. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to it's easy to go to be on tour, you know, and to show up at a you know at a you know in in, in Dallas or in L.A. or in or in uh, London and do a big show and then there's a party afterwards and everybody's like you know the everybody's drinking and carrying on and and uh, and they don't realize that gee i gotta we're gonna get on a bus now and we're gonna be driving all night you know yeah. <laughs> and showing up and doing press you know in at eight o'clock in the morning but you know you make those you make those appearances and those shows those show ups just just for optics, you know, and that just happens, you know, so, but, it, but it's a lot of work, people don't realize how much work it, it actually is. It really is, and like you said, you know, bands are on their own doing everything they can by themselves, but when do you feel like you got your first big break, when do you feel like there was that one person, because there's a lot of shady people, you know, in this business, you find out, you have to deal with, but when did you feel like, you know, we, we had this break given with us by somebody, and it really worked out for us, and they, you know, they were honest, they were straightforward with you, and they, they kind of moved on to the next level, did that happen? No, it never happened. You always think that there's, you always think that there's something more. I mean, my my dreams were, you know, a lot bigger than I than I ever uh, attained. You know, I mean, there was great stuff. You know, you get a you get a movie soundtrack on a major, major movie. You go, oh god, this was my big break. And this is great, but you know, but, but five, you know, ten minutes later, you're already going, oh gosh, we got to get ready for this other thing, and 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 it's never as big as you planned, and it's never as much as you wanted. So there's been moments of big breaks. So like there was there was moments when you get a development deal with A and M Records. There's moments when you get a, a big deal with with uh, Epic Records, or or if you know somebody calls you up that that you admired and wants to work with you and stuff. See, there, there's moments along the way, but you never. I never personally felt like I, like I even made it, really. I mean, I mean, when I compare what I, what my expectations were, to what actually 
I'm, I'm doing all right, and I've probably, you know, did more than I deserved, you know. But uh, you never feel like you really get there, Mike. You know, it's it's just it's just more of a journey than anything else. And I think one one of the uh, sometimes when you feel like if you allow yourself to feel like you made it, I think you may just stop at that point. You may just go, okay, I'm here, now what do I do? You know. But if you don't have something to do right after that moment, you're in big trouble. Yeah. If you, get, you get like a momentum. It's like being on a, being on a bicycle and you pedal and you get going pretty fast and you start coasting for a second and, you and if you stop pedaling, you're eventually just going to slow down and fall over. But you just need to keep you just keep keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. Yeah, it, it's hard. You know, people don't hear those stories. I mean, when by the time Love of the Order comes out in '89, was the writing on the wall? Was it the beginning of the end for you guys already at that point, or did you look at it like this was the opportunity, and we'll just see what happens with it? Right. Well, you you, you do you, you see the opportunities and you 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 make a you know you try to you try to think about you try to bring your uh, experiences into it to try to make the best possible decisions. But some, sometimes they're not. I made a lot of I made a lot of really stupid decisions in my life. Most in 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 terms of music. I mean, a, a lot of them, and uh, I just didn't know. In the early days, things for me were just like everything was done on a on a wink and a handshake. That's the kind of person I was. I didn't need a contract with somebody to I wanted a you know somebody to finance something or borrow something or do something or someone wanted to you know I just said hey it's fine you know you know I I, I kind of felt like everyone was were friends everybody's friends you know and um, and because of that you make some you make stupid decisions you just don't know I mean I won't I won't make the stupid decision twice but I made several several just just foundational you know, blunders. I didn't know. I didn't know. Heck. Yeah, nobody does. You, you get into music because you want to write music. You want to, you know, record, put out a record, meet girls, get up on stage. You know, not everybody's thinking of the business part of it. That's a, that's like a whole separate entity that you have to learn. And there's a steep learning curve for a lot of people. And, and when you think about it, you've been the one constant in the band since the beginning. Did you feel like so much of it fell on you that you had nobody to lean on to help make any kind of real decisions that maybe they had a different voice on than you? No, 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 I mean, you, you, you hook up, again, you hook up with people that you trust, and, and, they, and they look at you, and they look at you straight in the face, and they say something, and you just, you, it doesn't even cross your mind that this is, that they're being dishonest or deceitful or something, and then you're just going to go, man, this is great, this is a great arrangement, this will be great for you, it will be great for me, let's do this. You know, and then you, and then something happens. Turned around, and you just kind of go, "What?" Yeah. I mean, the the betrayal is just is just a killer. You know, those are the things that kill you, kill kill you in life. I mean, those are the biggest things for me to, to deal with is betrayal, disappointment. Those things are just those are heavy things to happen to a person, anybody. I'm not even talking about me. I'm talking about anything. You can relate it. Those are the those are those heavy, life changing moments that you have in your life, and and how you respond to them is is, is I guess what your character is made of, or or what you know. I like to quote. I like to quote. Uh, you know, Frederick Nietzsche. You know, he says he says uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You know, and I thought, yeah. That's very true. Yeah. It's very true. It's, it's, those real, it's those breakdowns and those disappointments that really kind of mold who you are and who you'll become. True. The band ended not long after that. Was it Was it actually was it a relief or was it hard to let it go after more than a decade of putting your life into it? A lot of people just feel like it's a, it's a relief off their back when something like that finally ends because maybe there's a new soft for them, something else is in the pipeline, or you know they have like regret over it. How did you feel when the whole thing finally came to an end? Um, I didn't hear the, the last part of the question. You kind of cut out. Oh, I'm saying, you know, the, when the bit ended, was it a relief that this was all behind you now? You can move on to something new, or was it hard to let go of what you spent, you know, over ten years putting into the band? 
you know, they were really being deceived and, and I mean, I was trying to act in the best interest that I knew how as far as the band goes. Again, they were my, they were my brothers, you know, and I, but at the same time, I was, I was put in a situation that, that was, uh, promised to me to be beneficial to the project, to my band, but in actuality, it, it turned out that I was, again, there was some, there was some deception there, and, and the entire truth wasn't being shared with me, so, uh, coming back, you know, trying to get back to a, to a hit, from a hit like that is, uh, it, it, it was hard, and uh, I took, you know, some time off, you know, I went and got back into my, um, you know, metal sculpture and my artwork and, and did that for several years and did some traveling and and kind of came to a place that I really wasn't that interested in doing anything with music anymore. I was just, it was just too much of a cesspool. I just don't want to deal with it anymore. And then after a few years, you know, uh, I was, you know, I would do writing and this and that and I kind of felt the urge just to do it from a, from a point of um, self-expression more than anything else. So my whole motivation had shifted because of the because of what happened, and and I kind of carried that attitude uh, through today. I don't I don't have that much expectation. I don't have that much. I don't I don't really trust the music business all that much. You know, but they're kind of a necessary evil if you wanna if you want people to hear your work. Yeah, that's the way it is right now. But I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's a whole different environment right now. Record companies aren't king anymore. Bands do things on their own. They get help from distribution from some labels. Is it better now to be in the music business? Because like you, you went through the the seventies and the eighties. You know, when the record companies ruled the world back then, and bands went to go make their bones with them. But now you do things on your own. Is it better now as a musician to have the kind of freedom control that you do now? to create music and the simplicity that's out there to record and distribute. Well, there's, there's, there's two sides, there's two sides of it. Like if you look at, look at from a, a, a musician's point of view, okay, why, why are you doing what you do? Okay, you want to, if you want, if all you're trying to do is, is just express yourself and share your, your thoughts through music, through a song, whatever and you're not really concerned with anything else you can do that on a on a you know small level and it doesn't really matter if you have 10 people that enjoy your work or not but if you're trying to do do it as a, a as a career you know that's a that's a different thing because now you have to involve somebody that that you have to involve several several people in a company groups of people that are going to um, uh, proliferate your work, you know, put it out there, make it available for somebody to pay, pay something for it, and to compensate you, you know. So there's 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 two sides of it, you know. You don't so from what a from a musician's point of view, just wants to just write some music and and you know sit on a sit in a sit in a, at a at a street corner and play their music to a little few people that stop by, that's maybe fine. That's all they want to do, and, and maybe they're not—they're not so concerned that they need to um, generate enough money to survive. But if you're trying to make it into a career, you know, that's, that's then you have to involve people that really aren't about music at all. Sadly, they're not about it. They're not about it at all. They don't. They don't care at all. They don't care if the songs 
they can hear any of my songs they want. They don't have to pay anything for it. I mean, they, it, it's essentially free for them. And the, uh, the end creator, for one listen of a song on YouTube or wherever, you know, the, the listener will get like fractions of a penny. Yeah. Fractions of a penny. And if you're not bringing in literally, you know, millions and millions of listens and views, it's just nothing. You just can't do anything. So, and that kind of collapsed the music business in, you know, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, even right now, I, I mean, I joke right now that music is just a jingle for the t-shirt you want to sell. <laughs> you know, why, you know, because you're going to make a lot more on a t-shirt than you did on your on your music, which is what your the whole purpose was. You wanted to share your music, and, and it's not a it's not a, a shame or a crime to want to be compensated for um, your work. You know, you know, if someone enjoys your work and they get something out of it, then why shouldn't the creator of that work be compensated for it, even if you know well, what it is? It's a you know, you make a you make a, a, a sculpture of a dog and and you want to sell it to somebody, it's not a crime to have someone pay you for that, and, and you can have, have something for your efforts and for your work, and it's, it's almost a, it's representative of your, of how much they like it. But now, you know, now that everything's digital, <laughs> you know, when's the last time, when's the last time I bought a CD, even personally, so I, mean, I don't want to be a hypocrite, but, but, you know, I don't, I haven't bought a CD in probably, maybe three years, you know, just, you know, just because I wanted to put it, listen to it in my old car, you know, so, uh, but I didn't really even need to buy it, I could have just downloaded it, couldn't I, and just, and just skipped everything, but who, who, who makes the money, you know, the platforms, yeah. the YouTubes of the world, they make, they make the most money, and they get to, they get to essentially sell product that they have really nothing to do with, they just have to make it available, and you know, you can't, you can, once it's digital, you could you could record it as many times as you want. You don't lose any sound quality or anything to, to, to that effect. So, um, I mean, even though the sound quality is kind of uh, 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 lessened anyway because it's digital, when they want when they need to, you know, compact something to yeah, the compression takes away to from make it into MP3 and stuff. And people, most people not into music don't really hear it but I'm sure you can but yeah. you can hear the difference between even a, a CD and a, and a download or or even or even better like an old analog recording like a let's say a, a, a vinyl album for crying out loud or, you know you want to talk about fidelity and you want to talk about deep listening to music and hearing what's really going on I mean our I think our listening as society has really really been uh, damaged because most people listen to music through, you know, earbuds, you know, and and small little speakers, you know. I mean, the real music um, aficionado, the, the people that are into music, you know, I, I, I always had, you know, big, I still do have big stereo systems with big speakers and, you know, big power and proper equalization and, you know, and listen to it like, you know, I'm into it. I mean, not only rock, any kind of music, yeah. that's the way to really hear it. But today, you know, everybody listens to it in, 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 in headphones, so then when you record it digitally, you have to eat you and you have to master it in such a way that it's going, that you have to consider who, where they going to listen to it. So, their little tiny earbuds in their ear, that's where you can, that's, that's what they're going to hear it through. And, um, I don't know, from music, it's kind of sad. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of old school, right? You know, I've been around a long time. I'm, oh, you know, I'm old. You oh, know? I feel the and same so, way. I'm waiting for cassettes yeah, to come back so I can listen to them in my car again. Well, exactly. Well, the thing is with you and I, then, okay, since we're on the same page, if you and I, we got to see the train before it left the station. You see, if you catch my drift, we, we saw it like that. 
little bubbles in the corner and everything's just fine. And this fish is just just great. And he understands his entire world and his entire existence and there's no problem. He's there and that's what it is. And there's no problem until somebody comes in with a little net and pulls him out of the fishbowl just for a moment. And when the water clears from his eyes, he looks around and, and realizes that there's an entire planet there, an entire world, and then he gets popped back to his fishbowl. Now in that exact moment, that home, that comfort place that that fish was used to has become a prison all of a sudden, in a, in a, in a flash, and he never knew. It would have been, would it have been better if he was just not pulled out? Absolutely, that's a great analogy. Some, yeah, it's just, it's, but that's how our lives are as well. Sometimes you just learn things and you just go, gosh, I wish I would have, I wish I could unlearn that. Or I wish I wouldn't have seen that. I remember when people used to tell me, oh, did you see, I mean, a few years ago when they were, when those people were doing those beheadings in the, in the Mideast, you know, and they're, oh, did you see that guy, who, that, that video where the guy got his head cut off? I'm like, no, I didn't, and I don't care to see it. Why? Because once I see it, I can't unsee it. I got to be very careful and very selective and very very particular about what I expose myself to. So you know, these are the things. When you're younger, you don't have the you 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 can't necessarily make those decisions because you know you want everything and you want everything as much as possible. But some things are that are less unsaid, I guess. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. I mean, this is the world we live in right now. I don't even want to walk out the door right now. You got me so afraid of what I'm going to see out there. <laughs> I'm going to stay in the house, I think, today. <laughs> but no, I completely understand that and get that. You're right. It makes complete sense. And, you know, putting that into the music world, it makes it even more of a double there in a way. But, you know, getting get, get back to the, the, the Bloodline record, I mean, when you put it out again, you added Sunday to it, a brand new song. At least I think it was brand new. I don't know if you had it around for a while and you or we were just written for the re-release, but... What an incredible song. I mean, this song, I mean, it touched me a whole bunch of different ways, and I'm sure everybody can look at it and have a different perspective on how they take away what the song is about, but it's just a real powerful song. I don't know if you realize how strong it is. It's a very, it's a very new song. It was written, you know, it was written um, post-COVID, unlike the rest of the album, which was pre-COVID, which ended up now, when you look back at, at Bloodline, you can realize that this, this, this album... Is a very prophetic album. Why it talks and exposes a lot of things that would that that didn't even happen for almost like nine months after, and all of a sudden we find ourselves in the situation. And the song is about is about the the corruption in the world. It's about it's about you know uh, uh, patriotism. It's it's about nationalism. It's about it's about uh, Horror, the horror, the horrors that we have to live through, and and we released the album, and then, like I said, it was just to our, our fans. And then once we went with the label company, they wanted something. They said, well, you know, we need something a little bit, a couple extra tracks, just to differentiate, um, to step to make it different from the album that you released. So I wrote that song, and and I mean, as you can see, where our talk has gone. I, you know, I'm in a certain kind of frame of mind right now, and in a certain time when I'm really kind of opening my eyes. And this, this idea someday, it was, it was, it was, I was, I was writing it as a kind of a companion song for the last track on the album called On and On. And again, it was written after, after COVID, when I really kind of, you know, examined my life, and I noticed the pattern with, with not only with myself, but with a, a lot of guys I know, and the song is, is largely written to the guys. It's 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 it's, it's for the guys, and it's kind of a um, I, it's, it's not a, not a warning because I'm not trying to preach, but I'm just trying to express. Look, time, life is fleeting. I mean, this is not. A rehearsal. This is your life, right now, right here, point blank, in your face. This is it. We're not going to get it back. We're not going to get the time of this interview back. This is it. Yeah. We're using it up. This 
is it. And if you have any plans to do anything in your life, if it's a, if it's a plan just to be better, just to be a better man, just to be, to do something that you want to do, you need to do it now. Because, you know, you can't add a minute to your life. It's just when your time's up, it's up, and you're gone, and we're going to die, and I'm going to die, and you're going to die, and every single person that's listening to this is going to die, and that's it. So, someday, it's like the ultimate procrastination. Ah, someday, well, I'm going to do that tomorrow, I'll do that tomorrow. But what if there isn't tomorrow? Yep. What if there isn't in the next week? Then what are you going to do? Then what did you, then you just wasted it all now, didn't you? And that's, a, and that's what I was trying to capture in the song. I was just trying to capture it. I said, listen, don't waste a moment. You know, now, sooner the better. Don't put it off anymore. Especially being a better man. That's you know? so true. I mean... The album is still brand new. I mean, you know, people are still getting a hold of it, listening to it. But I hope we don't have to wait a long time for another one. You know, between Gathering the Faithful, this was like 13 years. So, I mean, is it just when the moment strikes you when you feel like writing right now is when you're going to put it out? Or are you looking to be on a more consistent, you know, release thing for new music? Well, it all depends. I wrote, when I wrote this, my, my intent was that this would be really kind of my swan song. It would be like the end, right? Like I said, this, I guess this is my last album. I'm not going to do any more. You know, it's just like, it's, it's too hard to justify it financially, time-wise. I mean, it, it was, it's hard to justify. I mean, if you're going to put this much work into something and, 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 there isn't, and there isn't anything, you know, positive on the backside or enough positive, it's hard to justify. you got to kind of weigh it. You know, is, this, is this worth my time right now to, to invest, you know, six months of my life right now and, Put everything at rest, you know. Where, you know, uh, you know, your family, uh, your friends, everything is like I'm just gonna put it off right now. Well, sometimes, sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes it shows up as deep as, as it affecting people and having a positive impact. Sometimes it shows up as some money. Oh, you get some money, and you go, oh, that's cool. But, you know, I have to to, to get people. Sometimes, but if, it, but if it's nothing, it's hard to. It's kind of hard to justify. If it's just a matter of me writing songs just to kind of be, to kind of get something off my chest, you know, to have some kind of a, you know, release of, of an idea, uh, that's one thing. Uh, I mean, I'll never say never. This is, this album is doing a lot better than I had thought, but I'm, but I'm, I'm considering, I, I, I haven't been more open to trying something again than in the last couple of weeks. When in the last you know, month, I'd say, I, I was looking back going, gosh, this is really kind of hitting home with a lot of people. You're not the only one that, that, that heard some sometime and went, oh my God. I mean, it, it has literally brought people to tears that I know and listened to it, you know, and I just went, wow. find, you 
interesting is people people going, wow, that song someday. So you have this song that just has a guitar, a, a, you know, a guitar playing and, and a little couple of verses and a chorus, and they just responding and going, ah, I just I heard that song and wow, wow, wow. and so I'm like, well, maybe maybe that's the direction. Maybe that's the that's what people need to hear right now. Maybe people want to hear that. Maybe they might be more of that. So I've been toying with that idea. But nothing yet. This is all still really fresh. And there's still a lot of surprises um, coming out of it. Um, so so and it's too early to tell, but I won't, I won't say, uh, I won't say never for sure. But, and it may, be, it may be sooner than later. <laughs> Who knows? But it'll, it'll all depend. Uh, I hope so, but if uh, Bloodline is uh, your swan song, you're going out on a high note. Richard, I'm not going to keep you, man. I know it's your birthday, you know, and I appreciate you taking out all this time to talk to me today, but I hope you do keep going with it, because it's so great to have you back putting out this music again, and what an amazing job you did on Bloodline. So I do hope we get more, but if not, this is an amazing album to go by. Thanks, Mike. That's really kind of you to say. I appreciate it. I'm glad you like it. Uh, it's my pleasure, my friend, and you have a great day, and enjoy the holidays, please. You too. You too. See you later. Take
Yesterday I think I was just like you Making plans for all the things I do I rolled my eyes when I was 17 Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.